Can you can you just can you turn me up a bit? That's right. Yeah, that that's about right. Yeah, it's only going to be me. Uh, James is ill. <laughs> yeah, more like a uh, uh, more like one grown man, isn't it? Not not half not half grown man. You cheeky fucker. Don't even know why you've got an imaginary producer. This show sounds like shit. Hello, listener. Nick here. Uh, It's uh, just me this week. It's going to be a very, very short episode. Not a lot's been happening. Actually, a lot's been happening. Uh, James isn't well today, which is uh, why he's not around for recording. We've been really bad at recording these. Um, What you need to do is you need to get us up to that £40 mark where we've promised to do weekly shows of both of these podcasts. I'm referring, in case you don't know, to the Patreon that we've set up. It's uh, patreon.com forward slash TOTP, which stands for the other 10% and also Top of the Pops, where you can, if you want to, you can support this podcast and we have issues and maybe any other podcast we make later on. There are a couple of uh, levels of, uh, like, goals we've got. So if we reach reach £100 a a month then um if we reach 100 pounds a month then we want to start uh, paying all of the people who contribute contribute to both of these podcasts um a little bit of money per episode but you can uh, you can give as little as a dollar a month um i said pounds didn't i i meant dollars everything on patreon is dollars so yeah, so Patreon. Of course, you might at this point be wondering what exactly it is you'd be supporting because we've the format of this show has been a bit like uh slapdash for probably the longest time. I don't think we've ever really just talked about um our kids or being uh old men. Um the, but we've done less and less of that recently, I think. And um I think it's just that sometimes for James and I, it's just nice to chat. We don't, we see each other once a week, but we're very close and, um, we miss each other, I think. So it's just nice for us to catch up. And the other thing is, I don't know if James feels this really, but, but certainly I have found that after a while of being a parent, what I've realized is the things that my son starts to do. My sons. Well, no, actually, I'm I'm talking about Noah. I'm talking about the older one, really, because Max is is following the path you. He's got his own personality, but he's following the path you'd expect a a baby to take, approximately. But Noah's hit this age where he's doing things that I would want to share with you every day because there are things. He's just becoming a little proper little person, and he's surprising me daily. But a, I can't keep track of everything he does, and B, it's kind of weird. Like uh, a thing he started doing in the last uh, couple of weeks, he's always he's good. Like he likes singing and singing along, and uh, but his and he's been very good with words. But he keeps linking stuff together in in more sophisticated ways all the time. And I've always what we do is at bedtime I read him a story and then uh, we walk over to the light 
and he switches the light off and then I sing him Twinkle Twinkle on the Twinkle Twinkle Little Star in case you don't know. Um, who doesn't know Twinkle Twinkle Little Star? I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but I'll sing it to him on the way back to the bed and then I'll say goodnight to all of his toys and then I'll say goodnight to him and put him in the bed. And uh, while he was, uh, hit, while Amy and the boys were away, um, a, a a few de- uh, about a week ago, they went uh, to see um, Amy's parents. I put these little glow in the dark stars that we've had for a while up around his uh, light, his uh, the light bulb in his room, and and he loves them. He loves how they glow when he switches the light off. They're really bright. They really brighten up the room. Just out of the blue the other night, I was singing Twinkle Twinkle to him and he started singing and his diction is like great, like really, really good, better than I'd have expected him to be before that. And now he just, I pretty much let him sing the whole thing and it amazes me every single time. Every single time I go downstairs and I tell Amy about it, it's been like a, 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 a week maybe of him doing it and it, I just love it. I absolutely love it. Um... But it's there's a lot of things like that, and I can tell you it as a story, and you can maybe pick up on my emotion. But even if I got you a recording of it, it couldn't possibly be mean the as much to you. And I understand that it wouldn't mean as much to you. I get that; that's natural. But I wouldn't even be able to impart to you how much it could mean to you if if you're in the same situation, if you'd been. Uh, singing to him all this time, and suddenly he was picking up, picking up the ball. I, I feel like I'm inadequate to the task of really explaining that. Actually, I think one of the reasons I struggle to write stories anymore is a lot of the things I'm preoccupied with now are things that are really difficult to. I I don't know if I've got the words to to put them into action like i'm very good at explaining alienation i'm very good at um telling dark jokes in sort of urban fantasy settings and stuff but my life isn't mainly mainly preoccupied with that stuff um so that's why i don't talk about uh, about that stuff much i don't feel like i can really do it the justice that i'd like and we were never going to be advice people. The tr- truth is, though, I think that we're still fun. Um, James and I still like talking to each other. We're still going to do the show. But I have to wonder what you think the show is, listener. Um, in fact, I would quite like you to tell us, if you were describing it to someone, like an elevator pitch style thing, even though I hate that, how would you describe it? Because it's it hasn't... Unless you were telling someone to go back to the very beginning, it hasn't strictly been about parenting for a really long time. What is it about? Is it about anything? Is it literally just a force of personality thing, the way most podcasts that try and be about something but have two people who know each other well and have their in-jokes and stuff? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Do James and I have in-jokes? I can't even remember what we talk about most of the time. I mean, that's that's another thing. I've been thinking about memory a lot recently. I, I think about memory a lot all the time anyway. I think James has talked maybe about having um, problems with his memory going back a long way. Um, 
But you see, I'm not even sure if that is James. It might be David Wynn, who's a friend of ours, um, who said that. Or maybe both of them have said it. I don't know. And yeah, they have trouble remembering stuff. And I have trouble remembering stuff. But at the same time, I when people talk about their childhood, I'm, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I can't really remember almost any of my childhood. There's the stuff that people repeat a lot. But I can't. I can't picture things. I see pictures of the time and I can't really remember much of them. I can – my memory of things that have happened since I was a teenager are, are, are slightly better. But the thing I've realized recently um, is I don't have – I can't vividly remember much good that happened in my life before I met Amy about 10 years ago. And that sounds sappy, but actually it it's existentially a little bit weird. Um, I mean, she is amazing. And uh, I, I, I know that a particularly difficult relationship that I had a couple of years before meeting Amy um, did – change me quite a lot and make me a lot more aware of things i've always sort of been hyper aware of um of of the other people around me but um i became very aware of myself and how far i could sink and what i could survive and and stuff like that after this particular relationship and and that coincided – that was a couple of years before meeting Amy and then there was Amy. So these things are all tangled up. But in a lot of ways, I wonder if I was alive really before then. Um, and the thing is I've got a sketchy memory. So I'm not sure how much of that is neurological and how much of that is just romantic myth building and I don't know it's interesting anyway I've also been thinking about uh, Anomalisa a lot um, Anomalisa is a stop motion film it was in contention for Oscars and lost to Inside Out as Dan Harmon who is an executive producer keeps mentioning on his podcast um, it is beautiful and depressing and weird and not nice it's not nice it's a harsh film funnily enough i think of it a lot in connection with inside out um like inside out it's a very internal like the most internal looking films you can imagine it's about the stuff going on in people's heads but but it being concrete uh concrete in very different ways it's also about a man a middle-aged successful white man who um is in a hotel away from home and who uh it feels alienated he's a a public speaker and a writer he's written books about uh customer support uh, that are mainly about empathy, but actually he feels alienated from everyone around him. He's having marital problems. Um, it's uh, basically another film about a successful, uh, a successful white man who's in crisis. Which you know there are a lot of films like that. 
It's also probably the ultimate manic pixie dream girl film. And it also kind of uh, deconstructs manic pixie dream girl narratives. Um, But it never, uncomfortably for me, it never quite vilifies them as much as it could. I think one reading of it is that it could excuse excuse its protagonist a bit more than I'm entirely comfortable with him being excused. But it's really difficult. There was the the way this man experiences the world and the way it's represented in the film makes concrete some things that bubble under the surface for me and I think a lot of people all the time. I don't know um, how much of it is like I, I, it might even be stuff that's that's quite normal for neurotypical people. We're only capable of so much empathy, and this is something that the uh, central protagonist of this film suffers from. I don't want to say too much because I know a lot of people won't have had time to watch it, and also it's really uncomfortable for me to talk about. I think it's beautiful, um, but as well as connecting it to Inside Out. And I think there's a lot of Dan Harmon in in this film, even though he was only executive producer. I can see why he was drawn to this script. It's maybe Charlie Kaufman doesn't know about Manic Pixie Dream Girls, and maybe he doesn't know that it's kind of laughable that so many films are about uh, like middle-aged, successful white men in crisis. Um, and maybe it's just Charlie Kaufman being Charlie Kaufman that he manages to get under the skin of those sorts of films. Um, and maybe a lot of those sorts of films get under the skin of those sorts of films and I'm just making excuses for it because I really liked it. Uh, I do like Charlie Kaufman. He thinks in... He seems to think in a way that really works with my brain um, and my personality. But the main voice in the film is David Thewlis and... I love David Thewlis as an actor, but the more I think about the film, the more I can't can't quite divorce it from the film Naked, which was probably the first film I ever saw him in. It's quite difficult to get hold of, I think. I think it's a Mike Lee film. I could be wrong about um, it being a Mike Lee film. And uh, the character he plays in this couldn't be more, aside from the fact that they're both northern, that they're both English and they're both northern, he couldn't actually be more different um the character in Anomalisa is very polite he's very genteel the character in Naked is very aggressive and like he's bottoming out basically I don't think the one character could even have ever been the other character but they are both films in which David Thewlis plays a character who is very human and very damaged and who, not quite willfully in the case of Anomalisa, but whose damage, while it's utterly recognisable, ends up impacting so heavily and negatively on the people around him that you don't know how to feel afterwards. You sympathise with him, and at the same time, you sympathise much more with the people around him. Um, So, yeah... I understand why Inside Out got the Oscar and Anomalisa didn't. I, I get it. Um, it's not that easy a film, and I can see it being it almost willfully uh, shrugs off 
probably huge amount of people, um, I guess. But uh, but it is quite amazing, I think. Also, I think Jennifer Jason Lee's performance in this is probably way more nuanced and just more interesting for me and better than her uh, role in Hateful Eight, which is the one she got so many plaudits for. I can't remember if she was in Oscar contention for that, but um, I didn't even know she was in this film and she's she's amazing in it. It's just the performances in it, the way it's made are amazing. I It made me uncomfortable though um, and continues to make me uncomfortable. I've been thinking a lot about that and at the same time I've been thinking a lot about um, – I'm wondering if uh, now that both of the Wachowski siblings have uh, come out as trans, now that they're both women um, or always were women, I I don't know the best way to put that. Um, I wonder if it will allow for more interesting re-evaluations of, of their careers, specifically the Matrix films. A few people have – uh, talked quite pithily online about the fact that lots of men's rights groups and um, I heard the term um, uh, Gamergate adjacent groups, which is quite a good way of putting it. I normally I think of them as 4chan adjacent, but it's kind of they're all much of a muchness. But a lot of those groups use terminology from the Matrix films and um, a lot of people have been talking quite pithily about how uh that's hilarious that these groups uh are now using terminology from uh films that were made by uh two trans women and that is and it is funny it's interesting it's always good to see those groups of people caught out but the truth is their reading of the film the sort of right-wing libertarian readings of the film the films aren't actually broken readings of the film and i find that really interesting i've always i always refer to uh people who think that fight club is about how cool tyler durden is um are missing the point and i think they kind of are missing the point because i think the writer and the uh, uh, uh makers of the films are very although they fetishize the violence um, and they fetishize uh, the conspiracy theories of that character. Um, I think they're broadly down with the reading of it that masculinity is toxic and it drives uh, men, it drives young men mad. Um, I think that's what you're supposed to take from that film. And I think that the artist, I, I, maybe this is naive, but I tend to think that artists and writers tend to skew left. I don't know how true that is actually. Um, but if something is sufficiently smart, it's possible to do both right. If something's sufficiently smart and non-specific enough, the way the matrix is, it is actually possible and completely viable to have a right wing and a left wing reading of it because both groups think that the status quo is fucked. They both think that we are being told, um, our, our culture, the, the culture that is being sold to us is, is damaged and needs fighting against Th- these. These things aren't incompatible with each other and I just find it fascinating. But I do wonder if as well people are going to go and look at um, the second and third Matrix films which barring a couple of really like – the Matrix films are interesting. I think the Matrix films are a really interesting thing because that first film not only 
impressed people with the way it mixed philosophy, um, mostly sixth form philosophy, but mixed philosophy with uh, action. Granted, mostly like derivative of Hong Kong cinema and, and martial arts movies, action, but still that it that it meshed all of these things and made them really really sold them to uh, Western audiences and and that is all very impressive. But a lot of the things that people rejected, it's like the Matrix was smart and that made people feel clever because they liked it. Um, but a lot of the things that people didn't like about the sequels were the areas that they thought were maybe a bit pretentious. There is that awful rave scene, like the least sexy sex scene in history and the rave scene that makes you want to hate all humans. But um, I don't think the second and third Matrix films can possibly be as bad as we think they are, as people generally think they are. And I wonder if if we are now, if it is now possible or, or will now be bolstered to go back and, 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 and delve into those films a little bit more through a slightly different perspective. The themes of identity that you aren't who they tell you you are, those things were all there and, and they made... Uh, liberals and uh, conservatives alike feel pretty good about uh, how alienated they felt in in this world that was made by liberals and conservatives, depending on you know the opposite group that you think that you're in or whatever. Um, and that's all in there, but now the it's impossible to ignore that that might not have been what the Wachowskis were dealing with when they wrote that script. And I think that's really interesting, and I think I'm going to try and rewatch those films pretty soon. Um, although God knows, deliberating loads over the Matrix movies does feel like a an activity that's maybe ten or fifteen years out of date. Never mind. Anyway, I've talked far too much, and I think I'm going to miss hearing Noah sing "Twinkle Twinkle" tonight, which kind of sucks. Um, so I'm going to go, but I'm going to leave you with a story that I've been thinking about um, that I wrote a while ago that I've been thinking about uh, I've been thinking about a lot while I've been thinking about memory um, while I've been really preoccupied with memory recently um, it might be a bit naff but I'm sharing it with you anyway if you like this sort of thing remember uh, patreon.com forward slash TOTP and uh, again I would really like to hear how you describe this podcast to someone i'm sure there's an awards thing coming up soon and it'd be nice to know what category to put us in this time um you've been lovely listener bye bye every day i wake up someone different When I woke up this morning, I knew who I was. Knew I was an average guy. Knew my name. Had a sense of what I do for a living. Something ephemeral. Knew the sort of person I am. I walked to the bathroom, bleary-eyed with sleep, contact lenses not yet in. I showered first, knowing instinctively that I'm a person who showers first. Felt a little strange detached and disoriented when I was soaping myself up but back to normal by the time I rinsed the foam off took a towel already hanging off the rail from the day before 
and wiped my face. The towel smelled weird. Not damp, just not like it belonged. When you visit a friend and you use their bathroom and you get that uncomfortable feeling in the instant that you're reaching out for somebody else's hand towel, it was like that. I just figured it was time to do some laundry. Then I went to the sink, ran the tap ready to brush my teeth. There's a large mirror behind the taps, opaque with shower steam, and I realised I'd left the windows closed as I showered again. Ran the flat of my palm in an arc across the glass, and for nearly 30 seconds, I didn't know who the man was that was staring back at me from the other side of the mirror. But as suddenly as the confusion arrived, it left again. Of course I knew who the guy was. He was me. That's how mirrors work, I admonished myself. Must have slept funny again. I knew of certainty that was something that happened to me sometimes. I brushed my teeth. I couldn't seem to find my contact lenses, but there's a pair of spare glasses in the cupboard under the sink, so I retrieved those and put them on. Took another look at myself in the mirror and laughed at my earlier foolishness. Moved to open a window. And for a short time, no more than five minutes, I looked out of the window that I had opened. An inoffensive garden, green, bordered, average, near identical to the ones that stretched off to the left and right. Beyond the boundaries, streets and streets, a perfect, typical lattice of terraced streets. I could hear people out there somewhere, but couldn't see anyone. A moment of wonder and surprise at how clean the pattern was. Towel wrapped around my waist, I went back to the bedroom. Once I was dressed, I picked up my phone, and underneath it, put there so I'd remember it, was one of those photo print envelopes. In marker on the front, but not in my handwriting, it said, This is us. I thumbed it open and slid the first few photos out. Each was a portrait of a different person. Men, women, young, old, different cultures and ethnicities, but each with the same slightly off expression on their face. Lost. And the same lousy wallpaper behind them. I recognised it. I ran down the stairs, taking the envelope with me, suddenly quite afraid. I burst into the living room, and there, on the facing wall, was the same wallpaper. I stood there, wondering what to make of it, but something itched me, made me decide to turn around. On the wall I'd had my back to, the same wallpaper, but here, covered in thousands of words. Even from the middle of the room, it was clear that they were written in hundreds of different hands. Scrawls, script, bold line, nervous scrapes. I read a few. What had seemed like chaos resolved itself into a sort of organisation. It was actually composed of single paragraphs, like a giant goodbye card put together by workmates, with each greeting a brief synopsis of a personality, footprints of dozens of single lives. I am a young woman who likes cats and video games. I have been retired and living here alone for ten years. Please help. I very frightened. Each signed off with a name, forename and surname and I quickly realised that every single one was familiar. I spent an hour reading the wall. It painted a picture, informed a ritual. I don't know how long this has been going on, how many people I'd been before one of them had got enough of a sense of what was happening to take a photo and write themselves down on the wall. But the person I am right now isn't one to make waves, so I wrote a few words about myself, as much as I knew, 
and step back. Later, with only the first part of the day gone by, I picked up the keys on the table by the door and went outside. Thank you.